Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we're looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. Yeah, yeah, I'm Pete Wright. And maybe Tony is just dizzy from altitude, guys. Maybe that's all. <laughs> he is. They are pretty high up. They are pretty high up. Today, we're talking about Minute 72, which begins with Clint drawing his bow and ends with Bruce asking if they want to know his secret to stay calm. Will we get the answer, though? Hmm. Back on the show, sadly, for the last time this season, it is uh, Clark Gregg's best friend, Kyle Olson. Hello, Kyle. <laughs> that's right. And I have the email address of one of Scarlett Johansson's lower-level assistants. So, you know... Maybe she even still works with her. Who knows? Inspire to greatness, Kyle. Inspire <laughs> That's to right. greatness. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I do. Uh, 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 there are two people in this room who have both been rejected by Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> <laughs> that is something I get to hang my hat on. I have never been rejected by Scarlett there Johansson. You go. See? That's, yeah. It's a, it's a rite of passage. Outstanding. <laughs> Well, we're coming into this minute with uh, Scarlett Johansson's best friend, Jeremy Renner, a.k.a. Clint Barton, getting ready to shoot his uh, shoot an arrow. And I guess it is a, as we find out, some sort of a bomb or something on the tip. It's blinking and it's got little it's it's got its own little little, own little cute little baby hooks that it uses to They're like so attach itself into the onto the helicarrier as it as it swings back around, attaching itself to the back of engine three. You know, guys, if you think about it, it's kind of like if Zeno's arrow met Chekhov's gun <laughs> above Hitchcock's time bomb. <laughs> Oh man, hat that's on right. a hat on a hat. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But just let the audience let the audience dwell on that for just a minute. <laughs> they break that on down. Yeah, so. They're going to need it. When they come back, let me just let me just bring back a bookmark we set earlier. How is it does the mindstone control affect somehow uh lung capacity and cognitive performance at altitude? Because we've talked about this before. Oh, yes. The helicarrier is up in the air and they just open the Quinjet and everybody's fine. And it's also really quiet. I That is the thing that always takes me out of, of this sequence. It just feels, it, it's just too much, Jeremy. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's super, he's super human. Did you like how I blame Jeremy Renner for this, <laughs> this fault? It's all his fault. He knows where to aim his feet so he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in positioning of your feet. It's Got all it. about the right. feet. Yeah. Foot care. The feet. I, I, I got to say, though, I do love a no look shot. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. It is it cool. It is cool. It's it bittersweet. Cool. Every, t- every time they do it, I'm sort yeah. of like. Okay, yeah. that's pretty cool. I mean, it all works well. I mean, to Pete's point, though, the the logistics of what they're doing only work if this thing is. I what did we say, Pete? You have to be under like fifteen thousand feet to before you you don't have that suction effect. And yeah, so I mean, the helicarrier is like might as well just be on the ocean still. Like, what is it even doing in the True. air at this point? Yeah. Also, <laughs> watching the movie bend over backwards yeah. to try and make it so an archer is the, <laughs> the right tool for this <laughs> yeah, job. Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. Sure. Why didn't they just jump out? Also, like they they they're in a they're in a Quinjet 
you couldn't load it up with explosives and just <laughs> detonated it after you land. It'll do as much damage as like Look, this one what arrow. What we're but, setting hey. up is that Clint has all sorts of cool arrows. We need to set that up. This sure. is the I mean, all we've seen him use are regular arrows so far. He shoots right. the guys at the security office in the throat with regular arrows, and it was a bore. Now we finally get to go, oh, he actually has something else up his sleeve. This is exciting. We needed that, right? We needed we needed the special arrows. Yeah. Because it is also set up for the fight later when he has lots of special arrows. We have to know that he's capable of multiple arrows. I get it. Exactly. Get it. And okay. eventually he'll have Hank Pym particle arrows. <laughs> he'll have all sorts of crazy <laughs> things. So right. we need to get exactly start seeing where this road is going to go right here we start with this flashing leds and the beeping yes right yes. here right here and the cute Always little hooks. The, beeping. the cute little hooks and exactly. the cute little hooks all right so all right so he's done his job now we're back in the uh the wishbone lab and this is where you really start getting a sense that the mindstone is doing something because you know steve has a few you know he and 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 uh tony are still talking about going uh, going at it Thor is like making comments about how everyone's so petty, but then as people are talking, they're starting to like, like Thor is kind of like you know rolling his eyes, like God, what is that in my head? And 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 Tony rubs his eyes, like we can, we're getting sounds. It all sounds like like something is happening. The mindstone is doing something. Pete, explain your point now. <laughs> I hate it. I just hate this. It works so bad. Like if you take away all those performative aspects, right? All the lines still work in my headcanon of this. All of them still work. They right? do. Let's go a few rounds. You yeah. people are you people are so petty and tiny. That is absolutely something Thor would say. Whether he is uh, actually seeing them as getting tinier because of the Mind Stone or because he's just Thor and he's kind of a dick. I think it's better if it remains human and then just let the uh, uh, sabotage begin. I don't have a case. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm just getting mad in order to mask the fact that I don't have a good case because they performed it to your specifications, to your point. But here's the here's the question, though. Yeah. Then what is the reason for building this scene this way? Could we have had this scene play out without this? Uh, without any of this kind of sense of the mind stone kind of doing all of this stuff with them and still had everything work out the way that it does. Like, is there like, what is the particular reason that they've decided we need to, we need to make it this thing that's doing this here. I have no answer for that because you just made my point. The entire sequence could be done without this, this mind stone control. And it would be Fine. It would be fine. We would still have Hawkeye and team coming to get the Mind Stone for whatever they want to use it for their their uh, malevolent activity for Loki. We could still do that and just let the Avengers fight each other. I I say I, I my counterpoint to that is it has to be Loki. It can't be Loki's guy who shoots arrows. It has to be Loki doing all of this stuff. But I don't think they've made that case. He, well, he has to be. He has to be the 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 reason that they, the the reason he got the, captured to be on there to be near the staff to be to get Hulk activated to to tear them apart. It has to be him doing it. Not yeah. I, I sent my guys to to come and and blow stuff up because then he could be anybody. Yeah, because I mean, like if like right now, there's only one like like hypnotized dude on that ship. So this they could have been crossbones. 
Oh, yeah. And he's just hired because there's plenty of guys in the MCU you can just hire to blow stuff exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, in the deleted scene, they talk about like how, how Clint says there are all these people who, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. has lots of enemies. That's how they build this team. Right. So, I mean, like, there's, this is, it could have been AIM, you know? I mean, like, it's, so, yeah, but so if you're going to have it be Loki, then Loki has to be the main one who's doing a thing. And then this is all part of like the 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 plan, but he it him just like chilling on in the in the glass dome can't be his only part in this plan. Okay, so here's here's my comment on that because I I'm starting to lean toward your side, and I I don't necessarily believe that he's manipulating the mind stone to do these things, or I just will say the scepter to do these things. But he knows that mortal uh, mid guardians in proximity to this scepter can be uh can start being influenced by it let's just say right contact high it's the contact high (laughs) no it is but i'm going to go out on a limb now and say because he knows that they have it and that they're studying it i'm going to go out on a limb and i'm going to say i think now that in the conversation between natalie and loki i think loki actually knew exactly what was going to happen and when she walked out of that room if the camera had lingered i think that he would have smiled because that was exactly what he wanted because he needed to push those buttons to get this thing started so that people she was panicking about hulk and all of this stuff was getting going processing so now we're saying apart from where we landed last week that Natasha was super brilliant and she was always one step ahead all along, <laughs> that in fact, tables have turned yet again. Yes. And Loki was ahead all along and his ex- uh, expression of hubris was just part of his double cross. Exactly. Triple cross? Probably quadruple or quintuple by this to point. To get everybody in the center. <laughs> We're definitely, uh, maybe in the teens. Yeah. Uh, to actually get them in the room together yelling at each other. That's your that's your case. It makes sense. You're shrugging emoji right now. <laughs> I don't know that it does. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> he gets them into this place where they're all getting mentally affected by the scepter and creating this this situation that is going to push exactly what Natasha left the room for. He's here for the Hulk, and (laughs) he's pushing them into a place that's going to release the Hulk. (laughs) Okay. The facts of the case may line up. The motivations I'm still a little wonky on. (laughs) I think think you you sound like Loki's attorney. Like, hey, he was going to win no matter what. Like, that's he, right. That's right. He was going to win no matter what. Yeah, that's right. He had all the angles covered. I, But I think that there's there could be a case to be made. If we're going to say that Loki potentially is somehow uh, still able to control the scepter from his cell, I think there's room to say that, that uh, he was trying to get them into a place where they were all together and starting to argue with each other. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll let you have it, counselor, but watch yourself. Well, okay, but here's the thing. Like, <laughs> there is an interesting point where we have the Quinjet. Like, we very specifically cut to the Quinjet. I mean, we could have cut to it reading the scepter at any particular point in time. But 
it happens when they're all fighting. It's a heightened moment in of of tension in the lab, and we get that fantastic flip over it upside down, and it's glowing. And there's the the sound of it is kind of playing in our ears as we're watching this, and that's when it cuts to the Quinjet. It's almost as if they were trying to plan a situation to get that thing going with this crowd so that it could amp its energy up so that they could find it more easily. I'm just saying, there's a lot of ways we can read all of this. Oh, well, that's, uh, yeah, there there really is. I, so is that yeah. is that the mark of good storytelling or bad storytelling? I, well, this is a great it's, question. This is something we've been talking about a lot over the course yeah, of the season. Because if we're having this, like, it's fun as nerds to have this conversation, but is sure. it good storytelling? The fact exactly. that it's not actually clear to us the motivations of this complex web of characters in getting the ne- to the next major beat. And I don't think it is. As much as I love this movie, I think this is confusing. <laughs> so sometimes there's like, like you don't always get all the answers in life. That's what things are. And then sometimes it's just like, I'm going to put some weird stuff in there because I can, or I'm going to leave things vague because I'll let you do the work. There's this difference between like a master storyteller going i'm not going to show you all my cards and people being like i don't know the audience will figure it out yeah so yeah that's the weird back and forth we have here yeah. like is, is it a, is it a master storyteller like letting it you know like letting you figure it out or is it just like that eh, doesn't matter people just want to see people punch people yes is the master storytelling just moving things forward because they need to get to the next beat and and that's that's might be fine too but if if we ask the question and we can't retrace it then I think, yes, we might need to go do some things with ourselves. Well, and I think if you took a situation with, let's just say, Firefly, for example, and we run into this sort of complication in that particular film, it may not be as much an issue as something like this particular film, which is not only building many, many films from it, but also many films that now also are taking place before it, and somehow still all needing to tie in. And when you are using this, if we want to call it master storytelling to kind of move the plot along, uh, so be it. But when you are doing that in a situation like this, where they are doing that and they have all these puzzle pieces that they need to be manipulating for years and years, it ends up making it a little harder to have you know sensible conversations because suddenly so many pieces just don't line up. And, you know, I mean, that'll that'll perpetually be a frustration even just watching the film, because there are always going to be things that's like, why is Eric not under Loki's control anymore? Yeah. yeah all sorts of things. Retcon. But here's the other. Because he, he, he punched him. Because <laughs> of the punch. Yeah. Uh, the, the other, uh, I mean, the part of the, the thing that allows us to be a little bit hand wavy about the whole thing is that all these characters are really so well cast and everything on screen is just oozing charisma, even as the beats are confusing. Like, I do like watching it. And it's it is well written dialogue that I enjoy hearing. I like letting this whole sequence kind of wash over me. And so it's easy to just let some of those things go. But there's something deep inside me that just says, how did they let him get away with this kind of plotting? Right. And and also the fact that this is Tig's second movie. Yeah. Yeah. Second. Second. That's a great point. 
That's a great. Well, you know, with a like lot of TV a, under his belt, let's just so be much fair. TV. Well, yeah, but but we know that the, there's a there's a vast difference between that when when you're like, uh, like you're you're the hired hand for the week, as opposed to being the generalissimo of a hundred million dollar empire for a, for a short time period, right? Navigating complexity for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 Well, we get to this point in this conversation, and this, you know, I'm glad that you're here for this, because this is where we get to have Bruce, like, this this reveal of him and how he actually had tried to commit suicide, which, uh, you know, as you talked about on your show, was the original opening of The Incredible Hulk. It was, uh, you know, kind of that deleted scene. And uh, it's a really interesting kind of character beat that we have with him. And I kind of like to think that when he's saying this, he got low, he put a bullet in his mouth. Uh, actually, it was Edward Norton who put a bullet in his mouth and, and Mark Ruffalo <laughs> sure. spit it out. Is, is more, <laughs> perhaps what happened there. The other guy spit it out. <laughs> oh, very nice. <laughs> but regardless, I, I, I like that they actually uh, integrate kind of that and I, I don't know if that makes that kind of a that deleted scene canon now, but I mean it is kind of part of the storyline here. I, I I mean, how does this particular shift in tone here work for the two of you? Yeah, it's interesting in, in terms of the 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 conversational gambit of everybody sort of like at each other and and taking jabs and stuff too. That all of a sudden everything stops. Yeah. That like and so all of a sudden suicide is on the table, and so everybody just goes oh. And so then he sort of like stops the room and then sort of continues on and tells this story. And, and we actually see like we yeah, we talked about it in there because not only was it, you know, part of the original Incredible Hulk, but like they shot it, edited it, special effects, scored it like it was in the movie really, really late. And it was the opening scene. <laughs> like, come on, everybody who enjoyed that Bill Bixby you know, <laughs> television show, come and see this and watch, watch the main character try to commit suicide on screen. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. That in, like, I, have, I watched it again, too, in anticipation of this, too. And he actually does not, like, put the, bullet, the gun in his mouth. He doesn't get that far. Like, Hulk doesn't let him get that right, far. Right, right, right. Uh, but I don't think I can... I, I, well, we, we talked about this, I think, with, with Superman at one point. But, like, I don't ever remember a time that a future movie went back and and made a deleted scene canon. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like Joss Whedon went like, yeah, you guys cut that out. That was a mistake. I'm going to make <laughs> it part of the history. Like, he went back. I mean, because it was years. It was years earlier. So it wasn't like one of those, like, yeah, you know, like, you know, the octopus thing in, in Goonies or whatever. Like, no, this was like, like, nope. I, I, this is important enough that I'm going to put it in and, and put it on there too. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it, it's not dead. And uh, I had actually read, I think it was something on Tumblr. I couldn't find the actual post, but somebody had said, looking at the reactions, you can see how people have felt about this. And they, they so like this person was extrapolating saying like, you look at like Steve and you can see, yeah, I know people who have committed suicide. And you look at Tony and say, yeah, I was one of those people who almost tried that. Like it's sort of, like you can see it in their eyes, like how the how they're reacting to it. You can say to that what you will, but I thought it was interesting that people see that in there. But yeah, coming back to the idea of one of our heroes admitting he tried to end it all. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> in this fun summer romp, all of a sudden we got a whole new 
uh, emotional gambit that we have uh, raised in the room. What do you think? Was it too far? Well, I don't think it was too far. I actually think it's a great way energetically in this sequence, which builds up and up and up with great. It's just more and more frenetic. It's more and more intense. And then this is effectively Banner as the emotional Hulk dropping his fist on the moment. Right. He's like, yeah, you all of you guys don't understand the degree to which I can mess things up here. Right. And I think that is an important beat. I think it's an important level setting beat for them as a group, for Fury to be reminded, even though clearly he already sort of has an understanding uh, for everybody to see that this is kind of the respect with which Banner treats his own alter ego. I think it's I think it's perfect. And I also I mean, I, I love to your point. I love the just the sort of the. Uh, I don't want to say guts. That's too generous of Tig to actually put this in the movie as a, uh, you know, to canonize the deleted scene. To your point, I think it's perfect. I think it's great. Well, and, you know, we've talked about how it's interesting that so many films, so many franchises, they make like extended editions, you know, as kind of a regular thing. And, you know, direct, many directors are excited about adding back in deleted scenes. And this is a franchise where they never have, like there's, you know, so many projects out there now. And it's like they have very specifically said, yeah, we'll include it in the bonus features, but we're not going to actually go back in and retell the stories. It does make you wonder if it's one of those things that it's like, it makes it very hard for, as we were just saying, like when you have so many stories that you're telling and then you go back in and you you canonize this stuff by putting it in, suddenly it's like, ugh, well, now does that line up with all of this stuff that we've been doing? And and I can only imagine that it just is one of those things where like it just makes it too hard to, to you know, make sure we're not crossing too many lines in the in the story threads of what our reality, how it exists. Well, and as frustrating as that is, I mean, look at what's going on with DC. I mean, right now, mm -hmm. this year, yeah. it's it's a hot mess. And so insofar as we like talk about the complications of, of creating the Marvel universe, whatever we think of it, it's kind of better than the, <laughs> the narrative infighting that's been going on um, over at DC. I don't, I don't yeah. know what you're saying. Yeah. Black yeah. Adam I mean, was no one, so No one else great. has been able to do this. <laughs> Rest in peace, Dark Universe. <laughs> <laughs> Things are going great. It's great. That's Time for great. another reset. We're fine. We're all fine here. Well, it is, it is a fantastic beat that we have with Bruce here. And you can, uh, like, once you know what's happening, you can tell that he is, as he's kind of laying all this out, he's talking about, you want to know my secret, Agent Romanoff? You want to know how I stay calm? You can tell he's picking up the scepter. Um, it's, it is one of those things that you don't necessarily notice when you're watching the film until you you cut to that fantastic low-angle Dutch shot of him holding it. But once you know that it's coming, you can go, oh yeah, I can see that that's that point right in this moment where he's grabbing it. Also, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's really funny that Banner also has a burn book that says, you want to know my secret, dot, 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 because he comes back to it later. Like, all of these guys have their lines already written out. Like, it just feels like, he's like, don't worry, I'll come back to it. I'll find a way to work it in. That's right. It'll be there. Yeah. I couldn't finish eventually. this time, but, that's right. yeah. 
Ah, it's a good minute. It was a great, uh, great moment for us to kind of this whole scene sequence here, Kyle. Thanks for joining us to talk about it. I'm glad you glad you picked it. Yeah, I say I'm, it's like I say it's it's one of my favorite scenes. Probably my favorite scene in this movie, uh, and I, it's it's exceedingly well written. Uh, I'm I'm it's and I get to, it's nice to see all of them sort of get their moments too. Yeah, like it, the, in an ensemble, having written ensemble scenes too, like having to service every character in that room uh, is a tough thing to do. And, and so this was great watching that the watching the the ping pong ball go from person to person and everybody keeping it in the air at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. And you can see why they probably didn't have Maria Hill and Agent Coulson joining in into right. this particular scene because that would only add more people to have to include in this conversation. <clears throat> oh, well. Well, wonderful time talking with you, Kyle. Tell everybody again one last time about uh, some of the projects you're working on out there. Sure. Let's see. You can. Let's, we got. Uh, let's, let's let's do the full recap for those who weren't looking for. So we got <laughs> Cool Time Dice Hours. It's my actual play role playing thing. Um, we've got uh, Sitting in the Dark, which is our our horror theme podcast, which you hear a bunch of different voices are not just this one. I uh, got uh, Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Side, which you'll barely hear my voice at all, but maybe you'll hear uh, that my weird turns of phrases through my characters' voices. Uh, and then the Curiosity Codex, uh, which is much more about uh, how interesting Mandy Fabian is and then how terrible of an interviewer I am. So check that out, too, because she's great, and I'm okay. <laughs> and then check out Just Plus None. I don't know if when it's available yet, but when it's available, it's going to be well worth your time. Absolutely. We'll be making sure that people can see that. So uh, awesome. We'll have the links for everything in the show notes. Uh, Kyle, again, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me back. Good luck uh, from here on out. I think things are going to be fine. Oh, yeah. I think totally, this is the big totally point fine. of turn that it's going to turn. Everything yeah, this is resolved. it. I mean, now that I think everything's yeah. just going to calm way mm-hmm. down. We're going to sit around that big table talk about fine i'm just gonna look through my captain america avenger cards <laughs> just see just see you know it's weird like the second half of them have have a bunch of blood stains on them but i don't i'm, I'm sure it's fine <laughs> uh, you guys will figure out why you let me know well hey i just want to say 72 this is minute 72 we are now officially across the halfway point with this movie 143 uh, minutes 143 is episodes. it time for the halftime show yeah, so after this halftime, halftime show. show everybody uh, but no, thanks uh, everybody for tuning in. And Pete, thanks as always. I gotta go back to my rented room. <laughs> Sorry, rented out to someone else. Until <laughs> next time, true believers. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>